0: You have you have well good evening everyone how's everyone good 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 good, good. thank you pastor for responding to that <laughs> i say good evening everyone good to see y'all here good to see you all online we appreciate you joining us tonight or tomorrow or the next day whenever you uh view this um Let's uh, jump right in here. Turn to, and then I'll open us up with prayer while you're looking here. Turn to Luke chapter number 17, if you would. Luke 17, or uh, your phone or your tablet or whatever you got there. Father God, thank you, Lord, for this great night. Thank you for Wednesday night deep dive. And I ask in the name of Jesus that you uh, help me to get to the outside of me, what you put on the inside of me. Help us, Lord God, to uh, transform that back into your information in our spirit. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen, amen and amen and amen and amen. So, Luke chapter number 17, uh, we're in the series um, for our deep dive, the uh, power of the anointing. and. Um, Tonight's subtopic is just simply life in the anointing. So, how many here understand that the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of you? Amen? Um, uh, right now, Holy Spirit, um, we're, we'll call it spiritual DNA has mixed with your DNA and a brand new creature emerged, and that is you and I born again. So all the kingdom of heaven is infused with the Holy Spirit. Uh, you, can, you can see it this way. Jesus said, um, I and the Father are one. And he said that you might be one in us the way that we are one in each other. So everything in the kingdom of heaven is infused with Holy Spirit. Um, God is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. Wherever God is, the Holy Spirit is infused there, you see. So we call this infusing of the Holy Spirit. We have a term for that. It's called the anointing. Now, when you entered the kingdom of heaven through the gift of redemption, you were transferred to the realm where the anointing is, where the Holy Spirit is. So I want you to, to see this. If, if you are born again, you do not need the Holy Spirit to come to you because you were already transferred where the Holy Spirit is, you see? There there are a lot of times the church has this idea of here I am, I'm going to call Holy Spirit to come and see my situation or help with my situation. When the truth of the matter is, even in that situation, you are already where Holy Spirit is, you see? So there are, as as Pastor Brent said, uh, so well pointed out, there are times where Holy Spirit's going to come and He's going to endue us with power to do things in a supernatural way that that normally we could not do. There are those episodes that happens, but still we are forever transferred where Holy Spirit, where the anointing is. Look what Jesus said in uh, Luke seventeen, verse number twenty one he said this he said nor will well go go to verse twenty. Um, now having been questioned by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God was coming, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, Look here it is, or there it is, for behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst, or on the inside of you. So Every one of us, if we're born again, if we're saved, um, we are every day, today you slept, you got up, you you did your daily routine, you arrived here tonight, you're online, and you did that being involved in the anointing of God. So we are, and next week we're going to look at being the vessels that that contained the anointing, that carry the anointing, but we we are in the anointing now. Turn to Galatians uh, chapter three, and then after Galatians, we're going to uh, we're going to take a look at um, uh, Genesis chapter eight. But but here's here's the truth. It's it's not a happy truth, but um, uh, it it's still a truth. There are a lot of Christians. Um, uh, there are a lot of Christians that are crying out to God because of uh, circumstances in, in their lives and what they're saying to God in one way or another, I need you to come here and get involved with this situation. When the truth of the matter is, they are already in Holy Spirit. They are already in the anointing. They are already involved in in the kingdom. So whether we understand it or not, we operate every day in the kingdom, which is immersed in the anointing. Now, let me show you. Um, let me show you something uh, amazing tonight. I think it's amazing um, about the anointing and and. The church. Um, in fact, go uh, hold Galatians. I want you to go over to um, Genesis chapter eight. Hold Galatians because I want to. I want to go back there and go to Genesis uh, chapter number eight. Let me show you something. This is this is such a good thing. We can never forget things that we learn from the Old Testament pictures. Um, what what is uh, uh, I'll ask Dee because she's smart. <laughs> how, how much is one plus one? It's two. Now, did you learn that today? When did you learn that, Dee? About four years old, you learned that, okay? And you've never forgotten it. Thank the Lord that she has never forgotten it. When we learn these things, these pictures, these shadows, these types from the Old Testament, we we need to go past seeing them as a shadow or as a picture. We need to recognize them as a truth and then carry that truth with us yep. forward. Just like two plus two equals four, we carry that forward and it helps us on in life. You see? Now, now watch. Um. Genesis 8 shows an Old Testament shadow, some of you have actually heard this before, but Genesis 8 shows an Old Testament shadow of the anointing and the truth that once the anointing came to the church, it would never be removed, ever. A lot of us are like, what if I lose the anointing? You can't. Now you can operate outside of it if you so choose. But you cannot lose it, okay? Now now watch this. Um, the anointing is a gift of Jesus, not because you and I followed the law. What's the law for? We've learned this. What's the law for? To, to lead us to Jesus. So... Um, uh, I don't know about how many of you, I'm sure all of you have done the same thing as me. I call it being born again again. Okay, you ever been born again again? Here's how you get born again again, okay? You get born again because you tried to do everything you could do to be saved and you found out that the only thing trying to be saving yourself would do for you would lead you to Christ. So you said, Jesus, I need you and Jesus gave you life. Okay? And then you hooked up with this religious person that said, oh, you're doing that. You know? And you you tried to do so good so you could be pleasing because you really wanted to go to heaven one day. You really wanted God to love you. You wanted all this kind of stuff. And you failed miserably. And Even though you tried, what did those failures lead you to? Jesus. So you got born again again. I've been born again like, I don't know, 92 times or something like that. I don't know. You know, I tried so hard. I wanted to do it on my own and all that kind of stuff. And all I do is end up falling on my face. And the Lord said, pick him up again. You know, he'll get this thing. So so watch this. The anointing will not leave the church because it is the anointing is a gift of Jesus, not something we ever earned or can ever earn, okay? So look at this picture. This is such a tremendous picture here. Genesis chapter number eight, okay? We're going to see Noah and the ark it's been 40 days of the flood. And um, I look at Genesis 8 and verse number 6. Now, watch this. Then it came about at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made, and he sent out a raven, and it flew here and there until the water was dried up from the earth. Now, watch. God's God showing us here that, watch, 40 days of the flood, and Noah opens up a window in the ark, and he sends out a raven. Now watch, ravens in the Bible represents death of the law, because ravens feed on dead things. Okay. Now, now, now watch this, watch. Um, when, when the ravens stopped feeding, that meant it was over. It had ended. The flood was done. You see, there was dead bodies floating, there was dead animals floating, there was all, all this stuff going on. And when it, when it was all over, it was over. Here's what God's saying. When the curse is over, it's not coming back. Come on, It's over. Come on. You see? Now now watch. Come let, on. let me show you something. Let me show you something. Uh, hold, hold, hold that and go to Genesis 15. Oh, it's going to be good. <laughs> going to be good. Genesis 15. Look at this. Let me show you something. Let me show you something. Have you still got Galatians? Yeah, yeah hold on to that. Okay, now watch. Ravens feed on dead things. They feed on the curse of the law. Let we we'll show you something here. Um, <laughs> watch. Genesis 15, God makes a covenant with Abram, who will in time be called Abraham. Um, and the only thing Abraham did was believed God. And God said, I'm going to count that as righteousness toward you because you believe me. And he sets this thing up for Abram and, and he says, here's the sacrifices I want you to make. Watch, watch, oh it's so good. He said, here's the sacrifices I want you to make. And, and Abram cuts all the sacrifices except for the birds and, and he splits them in two. And God is, you know, y'all know the story. A fiery furnace goes through there, and God makes a covenant with Abraham because he believed, okay? But watch this. Watch, this is interesting. Look at Genesis 15 and verse number 10. Abram is bringing the sacrifice. Then he brought all these to him, uh, to God, cut them in two, laid each half opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds. Now watch, verse 11. The birds of prey, the ravens, the birds of prey came down upon the carcasses and Abram drove them away. You ready? We're not talking about Moses and the law. We're talking about Abraham and faith. The ravens could not remove the sacrifice from Abraham. Mm, Think about this. Let this kick in. Let this kick in. Death came. Death, as pictured by the law, came to take the sacrifice. But death could not take the sacrifice of faith away. You see? Now, I want you to hold hold Genesis 8 and go back up to Galatians. Now watch. Hmm. (laughs) Hmm. See, we're not of Moses and the law. We're of Abraham and faith. Look at Galatians 3, verse number 6. Even so, Abraham believed God, and it was uh, reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are the sons of Abraham, The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, all the nations will be blessed in you. Listen, truth. So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. Mm -hmm. Verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. In order that in Christ Jesus, the blessings of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the spirit through faith. Verse 29. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants and heirs according to the promise. Let me tell you something. The picture in the Old Testament says that when death came to carry away the sacrifice of Abraham, the believer, they were driven away and they could not be taken. Neither can the sacrifice that we believe in. That sacrifice can never be taken away. Glory to God. Oh, somebody say amen. Amen. Hey, I quit right there and we'd go home. Yeah, except we're not. I got more notes. <laughs> okay, go back to go back to Genesis eight. Remember, we we got to see these Old Testament pictures and remember them. Man, this this is the ABCs of our faith. You know. Now watch. Hmm. God manifested. The Holy Spirit, four times throughout history, four different eras, God manifested Holy Spirit. Um, The first time God manifested Holy Spirit was when he created Adam and, and he blew Holy Spirit into him. The anointing, see, Adam didn't have to wait for the anointing. Adam dwelt in the anointing. You see, he was in the anointing. Now watch, here's the second time. And then uh, Adam uh, sinned, He he committed rebellion, and he lost Holy Spirit. Here's the second era of the Holy Spirit. During Old Testament times, the Holy Spirit would empower an individual to accomplish supernatural things. Um, but he couldn't remain because of the curse. So like Samson, like David and Goliath, like, like these amazing events that happen, Holy Spirit would come, he would empower someone, but then then he would uh, have to be removed and, and go back up in the heavenlies. And that's the mindset that we've got. And a lot of times in the church, we've got that mindset, you see. Now now watch, watch, look at the picture here. Um, Genesis 8 and verse number, now remember, Noah sent the ravens out and, and pretty soon there was nothing left for them. The curse was over, it was gone. Verse number 8, then he sent out a dove from him to see if the water was abated from the face of the land. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot. So she returned to him into the ark for the water was on the surface of all the earth. Then he put out his hand, took her and brought her into the ark himself. So the second time we see the Holy Spirit manifest was during the Old Testament time when God would send the Holy Spirit to someone, but the Holy Spirit couldn't stay. So he would would have to return. Now, here's, here's the third era, which would be Jesus. Now, watch, watch this picture of Jesus here. Uh, verse number 10. So he waited yet another seven days. Remember, seven days is a completion. Yeah, that's a completed time. So after the time of, of, of the Old Testament, um, and again, he sent out the dove from the ark. The dove came to him toward evening. And behold, in her beak was a freshly picked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the water was abated from the earth. Then he waited another seven days. Now watch this. So so in the third time, the third era that, that the Holy Spirit was sent, was sent to Jesus and Holy Spirit stayed for a season because he could rest on Jesus. But then at the end of that time, Jesus returned to the heavenlies, took the Holy Spirit with him, and took the olive branch of peace for mankind with him to God the Father. Are you getting this? Yes. Now, watch, here's, here's the fourth era of the Holy Spirit. Now, now, watch this that's Pentecost. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to the church. And watch, God said, now the anointing will never be taken back. Look, look at um, uh, verse number 12. Then he waited yet another seven days, another completion, for, for Jesus. Remember the 40 days? Um, and, and Jesus ascended into heaven. Now watch. And he sent out the dove again, but she did not return to him. He never took it back. Never took it back. Here's God's picture. Was, was look, Watch. Was the picture correct when Noah sent out the ravens until, until it was over? Was, was the picture correct when um, Noah sent out the dove and he would go out, but he couldn't remain, he had to come back? Was the picture correct whenever he went out and he stayed for a season and then returned as a picture of Jesus? Then we've got the last time said he didn't take him back. He didn't return. That once, once the dove was sent, that was it. It it, it was over. Okay. Now, um, turn to the right and go to Leviticus, uh, Leviticus twenty-three. Watch. So, someone will say this. Watch. Oh, this is so good. Watch. So, so. Oh my. It just. I don't know. I could pee my pants when I get into this kind of stuff. I really could. I mean, I had an old gal, an elder in the church, and I said that one day from the pulpit. I said, "I'd just pee my pants when this happened." She said, "Oh God, please don't ever say that from the pulpit again." <laughs> so, but I did. Now watch. This this is this is so good. Watch. Somebody will say, "Yeah, but you know, my life the way it is right now, I just can't see how." The, the Holy Spirit, you know, because I don't even call on God because I know how messed up my life is. Watch, I want to show you something here, okay? Leviticus 23, this is Pentecost. This is the fruition of what we saw in, in Genesis 8. Um, Leviticus 23:15. you shall count for yourself from the day after the Sabbath, from the day when you brought in the sheaf for the wave offering, Well, let's just do it. This is going to kind of mess up on your list, but um, go back to uh, uh, verse number nine. We're we're just going to do it this way. Um, Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, when you enter the land which I'm going to give you and reap its harvest, then you shall bring in a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. Now, it's a picture of Christ, okay? Okay. He shall wave the sheaf before the Lord for you to be accepted. Who said this is on you? You're of the seed of Abraham, not Moses in the law, yeah. Abraham in faith, Abraham the believer. Now, watch um, verse 11. He shall wave the sheaf, that's a picture of Jesus before the Lord for you to be accepted on the day after the Sabbath, that would be Sunday resurrection, the priest shall wave it. Now watch this, go to 15, verse 15. You shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day when you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, that was Jesus' resurrection. There shall be seven complete Sabbaths. You shall count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Then you shall present a grain offering to the Lord. Now, what are we talking about? What event? Pentecost. Yeah, Pentecost. Now watch. You shall bring it in. Okay, now, I'm talking to the person that probably isn't in here. The one that is saved. But you just, most of the time, you feel like you hope so because you screw up so much. I know... I'm talking to somebody that's online because that couldn't be any of us. Amen. So watch. Verse 17. You shall bring in from your dwelling place two loaves. First, the wave offering, the single offering. Then you shall, on Pentecost, you'll bring two loaves of bread for a wave offering made of two-tenths of an ephah. They shall be of fine flour, here's a kicker, baked with leaven as first fruits of the Lord. What's leaven represent? Huh? Sin. Sin. So he said, Bob, on this Pentecost offering, you'll have two loaves and you're going to bake it with leaven. I don't get that. Except that on the day of Pentecost... The one that carried my leaven Mm -hmm. sent the Holy Spirit to rest on me who is still in this body of leaven and that Holy Spirit has been promised will never be removed from my life. Mm -hmm. Glory to God. Mm. Man, we can never forget the elementary truths that supports the gospel of Christ. Um, Go up to uh, John chapter number 12. I probably got you all messed up on your scriptures now. John chapter 12. Jesus is going to make a statement about something that's going to happen in the future which would be after the anointing is given to the church. After the anointing. Look at John 12 verse number 20. Now, there were some Greeks among those who were going up to worship at the feast. These then came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and began to ask him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and said to Andrew, and Andrew and Philip came and told Jesus. Now, who was Jesus sent to first? The Jews. And then to, come on. The Gentiles, first the Jews and then the Gentiles. So verse twenty three, and Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls in the earth and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies it bears much fruit. Um, and and uh, I've horsed around with this before, I'm sure Philip and Andrew went in the other room and said he's prayed himself crazy is what he's done, you know. <laughs> Jesus Greeks want to meet you. Well, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abideth alone. But if it falls in the ground and dies, it multiplies. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Greeks at the door want to meet you. Well, unless a grain of wheat falls on the ground and dies, it abideth alone. But if it falls in the ground and dies... And multiply. Here's what he was saying. I came to the Jews first, but when the Greeks meet me, it's going to be after this grain of wheat falls in the ground, and Pentecost comes, and there's going to be a million, million Jesus. <laughs> And we're going to go all over the world. And we're going to live in the same anointing of Jesus. We're going to have the same power. We're going to have the same anointing. And it's a gift of Jesus through faith. Mm. Now, turn, turn, to, uh, turn to Colossians. Okay, turn to uh, Colossians. Oh. Personally, I think this is just going to get better, okay? Now watch this. Um, Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost, and he, and he says, here's, here's what's happening. He said, this is what Joel talked about. Joel prophesied that uh, uh, when, when all this came about, be the former and the latter rain. And I've heard us sing songs about, oh, send the rain. And every time we sing songs like that, it makes me want to take medicine because it's absolutely not scriptural whatsoever, okay? Watch, here's, here's former and latter rain. The former rain was the small rains in, in basically single places, okay? And that's, that's when they would plant. That's when the seeds would go in the ground. The latter rain is, is the widespread rain and that would bring the harvest. Man, that's when everything would start growing. And what Joel said, he said, there's going to come a day that the former rain and the latter rain is going to happen at the same time. And in fact, this is how it works out. You can go into a group of people, you can preach the gospel of the kingdom, and 18 of them come up at one time. You see, that's the former and the latter rain happening at the same time. You see, um, the power of Jesus and the harvest all happening at the same time. Now, now watch this. Um, the grand question is how do I operate as the latter rain? How do I do that? Because listen, to be honest with you, most of the time I'm, I'm fighting the thoughts of am, am I even worthy? You know, should I even ask God if I can do something like this? Um, I don't even know if he likes me today, you know. Um, but, but what we do for God in the anointing comes through understanding the anointing and trusting that the anointing is there just as God promises. I want to, I want to show you something here. Colossians chapter number 1. Um, Epaphras um, has been with the Colossian church and he reports this to Paul and he tells Paul he said man you got saved people over here they gave their life to Christ and they love each other and they're caring about each other and, and they're worshiping and they're praying and they're studying the word he didn't say anything about them being perfect he said this is just the things that they're doing sound familiar? You know studying the word and doing some praying and worshiping and loving each other and that type of thing so uh so Paul hears of their salvation he hears about the love they have for one another that was holy spirit driven and if you read uh, let me just read you uh, the passion translation uh, of Colossians 1 4 5 and eight listen to what Listen what he says. Paul writes, writes to the Colossian church and he says this. For we've heard of your devoted lives of faith in Christ Jesus and your tender love toward all his believers. Verse five, your faith and love rise within you as you access all the treasures of your inheritance stored up in heavenly realm. Verse eight, Epaphras informed us Of the many wonderful ways love is being demonstrated to your lives by the empowerment of Holy Spirit. So this report is what Paul is addressing when he writes this to the Colossian church. So here's his prayer to the church. And this is what we should be living in every day because of the anointing. I'm going to read and break down Colossians 1 9 through 12 this is Paul's prayer he says for this reason since the day we heard about you we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask so let me say this if Paul prayed it we can have it what we're about to read is something that Paul said you can have this you can Walk in this. He said, here's what I pray, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding that we can be filled. We don't need to call upon the anointing to get this because we live in the anointing already that we're calling for that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Here's the benefit of that. (laughs) So that you'll walk worthy of the Lord. That's what we want. That's our desire. That's what we grieve about when we miss the mark, that we want to walk worthy of the Lord. So what does worthy look like to God? He says to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. How strong does God want my life to be in the anointing? He says strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for what purpose Lord for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience joyously giving thanks to the Father so where does this joyousness come from who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints of light God did it all. He gave it to us. He promised he won't take it back. All he wants us to do is live in it. Just live in it. Now, let me, let me show you. Let me show you. Anytime, now watch this. Here's, here's the truth of this. Anytime we move away, look, you're not going to lose the anointing. You're not going to lose it. Because you've already been transferred to it, too late for you, haha. Okay, I mean that's where you live now. Okay. Um, uh, River goofed up, and Grandma talked to her about it, and she just fell apart. And she's in the car, and she's just sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. And Jody said, "What's wrong?" She said, "You're gonna ground me for the rest of my life." <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to get kicked out of heaven. It's not going to happen. We're already in heaven. You know, God's not going to say you can't come in. We're already there. (laughs) It wasn't up to you in the first place. He gave it to you as a gift. He knew you was a knucklehead. You see? Hmm. But watch. We can move away from operating in the anointing. So then, here's, here's what happens. We have to start attempting to live a supernatural life like the Bible explains, by natural means. And you can't do that, you see? It's an impossibility. So what we're doing is trying to, then, then we're doing this. I'm, I'm going to attempt to live by the law and, and maybe if I am good enough, God will give it back to me. Well, number one, you never lost it. Number two, you never were good enough. It's a gift, okay? Look, look. here's, here's what we forget. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to set some people free right now, okay? Look at Philippians 3. Philippians 3. Oh. Get ready to be free. Philippians 3, verse 9. It may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. The enemy says to me, whispers to me, you need to be more righteous. And I proclaim back: I have no righteousness of my own. Yes. I only have the righteousness of Christ Jesus. Am, am am I giving anybody a license to sin? Number one, there is none. You just go do a dumb thing, okay? And number two, I'm going to answer. Am I saying we can live this loosey goosey life? I'm going to answer with one word. Really? Yeah. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that at all. We know better. Amen. Now, um, I got time for this. Go to, uh, I want you to hold on to that area that you are right now, Colossians, Philippians. Hold on to that. And turn to First Samuel chapter number 10. And we'll show you something here. 1 Samuel 10, another picture. There's a common thread when it comes to life in the anointing all through the Bible. In all four eras of the anointing, if one began to operate outside the anointing, destruction always comes. That's something we need to know. Saul allowed jealousy into his life. And because he allowed jealousy to remain, um, he he gave himself to rebellion. See, the only way we can continue operating the way we're not supposed to is to choose to be rebellious to God. Mm -hmm. Are you getting this? Okay. So his rebellion then gave into depression. You know, read the life of Saul and and you'll see this. So, um, jealousy was found in his life and he didn't deal with it. That's all. God isn't saying to us, oh, you can't mess up. What he's saying is if you find yourself where you're operating away from the anointing, come back. Get back in it, you you see. Um, and, And... the only way we can continue is to be rebellious to God. You see, he hasn't kicked us out of heaven, but we're rebellious. And when rebellion comes, depression comes in. Anybody can say amen if you want to right there. It will, yeah. So, so watch this, watch. Here's, here's the thing about Saul. Here's the picture of it. Saul was already, see, Saul already, he got jealous of David. And if I don't get rid of David, I can't continue to be king. The thing of it is, is he was already had all the anointing he needed to be king. Are, are you hearing me? I got to be jealous of David because I'm king. I want to be king. But he already had all the anointing that he needed to be king. Okay? Why? Here's what God told him. First Samuel chapter 10, um, verse number 6. Then the spirit of the Lord will come upon you mightily. And you shall prophesy with him and be changed into another man. You've already been changed into another man. You've already been changed into another woman. You already have all the anointing you need to do what God wants you to do. You see? So, so watch. So all Saul would have had to do was stay in the anointing. When, when these emotions came about David, no. No. God anointed me to be king. I'm trust I'm not gonna go by what I hear, I'm not gonna go by what I see, I'm gonna continue on. That's when he would have stayed in the anointing. So God ordered Saul to destroy King Agag and everything connected with him. First Samuel uh fifteen uh verse number watch, I will show you this is gonna be Look at your neighbor and say, this might hurt just a little bit, okay? This is the part the pastor told me to put in. <laughs> so so, so, watch this. So uh, um, God tells, tells Samuel, go down, kill Agag, everything, wipe them out, make them history, okay? So 1 Samuel 15 verse 9, but Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the oxen, the fatlings, the and lambs and all that was good and were not willing to destroy them utterly but everything despised and worthless see they, that they destroyed. Here's what we have a habit of doing. We will say I'm going to be obedient to God. God says here's what I want from you. Here's what I want from your life. Well, Lord, I'll give you this. I'm not going to give you that. Okay? And uh, I've heard people say this. Well, the Lord will just have to understand. Well, he understands rebellion. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he understands the word no, you see. But then what we do is we're going to try to do other things for God that he hasn't asked us to do. That's going to bring a burden of guilt and then depression and, and on and on and on. So, listen to, the, listen to the question that Samuel the prophet asked Saul, down to verse number 13. Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord, I have carried out the command of the Lord. But Samuel said, then what's the bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen I hear? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we, we need to say, Lord, thank you for the anointing. I want to walk the best I can in the anointing. Am I doing what you want me to do? And listen to what Holy Spirit says. And if you hear any bleeding of the sheep in the background, maybe you need to make some adjustments, you see? You're not losing the anointing, but still we can move, move out of operating in it, you see? Um, okay, back to Colossians. We're going we're gonna to come in here for a landing on this. Back to Colossians. Um, so Saul comes up against a war. And he calls out to God. By now he's jealous, he is rebellious, he's depressed. And he calls out to God, but he doesn't hear God anymore. And he says to himself, God is angry with me and he doesn't like me and he won't speak to me. Y'all ever been there before? He's angry with me, he won't speak to me. You know, I'm seeking him, but he won't give me any direction, one bit whatsoever. So here's the worst state that a Christian can get into. He needs his old buddy Samuel, who has passed away. And he goes to a witch. An indoor And she calls forth the spirit of Samuel. And Samuel basically says, why have you done this? Why have you brought me up here? And Saul says, God's mad at me. He won't talk to me. And Samuel basically says in good old Ted language, well, if he ain't talking to you, I'm not talking to you either. You know? And eventually, Saul is not king, falls on his own sword, and is done. We have all the anointing we need to do everything God has called us to do. But there is a daily walk. If you don't walk it, you're not going to lose the Holy Spirit. That's already guaranteed through Christ. But we may not hear the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit says, "Um, I want you at this place at this time to do this thing. And we're over here because this is easier and we decided to make the trade-off the the power for that great event is still over here. You see, he didn't take it away. We just moved ourselves out of it. You, you see what I'm saying? Um, and here's the goodness of God. Here, I, and I asked the Lord. I said, "How can I end this?" Because I. I had everything ready, but I couldn't close on this thing. I just couldn't find a closure. And I said, Lord, I I need a close for everybody. And he said, he brought me back to a time in my life where I was saved, I was anointed, but let's say my place was here and I had kind of traveled here, okay, you, you all don't know what I'm talking about, do you? Yeah. Yeah. Right there is where I was supposed to be, right here is where I was. And I remember something that, that God said to me back then because there came a day I had my Saul moment and I fell on my face and I said, you won't talk to me, you're mad at me. And I heard the Lord say, no, I'm not mad at you, I'm not mad at you. And he began to explain these things to me. And I said, then how do I get over here? Because I am too weak to be here right now. Are you hearing me? I haven't got the strength to be here right now. Evidently, I'm only strong enough to be over here. And he said this to me. He said, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I'm like, he said, just Taste and see that the Lord is good. Um, I had to travel 4,000 miles over the next four days driving. And instead of my books on tape, I put a Bible on tape. I drove for a half hour. It was good. It was good. Began to taste again you see so when I got to the motel I had to stay at that night uh, instead of turn on the TV I got my Bible out and I studied and that study turned into an hour that hour turned into an, an hour the next morning and pretty soon I realized I was just edging back. You see? I didn't have to even apologize. All I had to do was just move into what I already had. You see? So I said to the Lord, I said, how do I close this tonight? And he said, tell them this. Taste and see that the Lord is good. If you are in a situation to where okay Pastor Ted I realize the anointing's still there. God hasn't taken it. He doesn't hate me. He's not going to stab me in the back of the head when I leave here. But I'm not hearing him. Hear this because he wants you to hear this. You start to taste and you will see that the Lord is good. And you watch How quickly that strength, the anointing, everything, it's not coming back to you. You're moving back into it. You see? You're moving back into it. Um, Pastor, I think you have something? Okay. If you're born again, you're already in the anointing, you've been given a gift of redemption called Holy Spirit. And all you got to do is believe and listen and obey. It's as easy as that. Pastor, go ahead.
1: I want to just uh, continue on that for a moment. I was going to preach this Probably in a few weeks, but it needs to be tonight. I don't know, I'm not going to preach, but I might. Uh, <clears throat> 2 Kings chapter 6, and uh, you'll want to look at this. It said, now the sons of the prophet said to Elisha, look, the place where we are living with you is too small for us. Let us go to Jordan. And take from there one beam per man, and let us make for ourselves a place to live. And Elisha said, go. Then one of them said, please come with your servants. See, you got to remember, Elisha was the prophet. He was the presence of God among these people. These people said, we won't go even to make a place that's better for us unless you go with us. Unless you go, you say, what does this got to do with the anointing? We'll get there. And so he went with them. And they came to Jordan and cut down trees. Now, first off, what does he, what, what has Pastor Ted been talking about? What is the anointing? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the ability to do the work that God's called you to do. See, and we, everyone has that, everyone has this ability to do the work that God has called you to do. And so here we see these people saying, presence of God, come with us and we're going to build a place. We're all gonna do some work, we're gonna cut down some trees, we're gonna do some things, but we need your presence with us. And so we went. No, verse five, he says, but one, as one was cutting down a tree, The axe head fell off into the water. See, the axe head here is his anointing. It is his ability to do the work that the presence of God went with him to do. See, and there are times in our lives where we get to the point where we think we have lost our ability to do what God has told us to do. He said, I've lost it. That's it. The axe head fell off and it fell into the water. And look what he yells. He said, oh, Lord, it is borrowed. That's not even my anointing. You hear me. That's not even my anointing. Your presence came with me to do a work, and now what I was doing, the ability to do that work has fallen off. You, you, you got to remember something, but look, I want you look what he says. Mm-hmm. The man of God said, Where did it fall? And that is the question that he said, because you did not lose your anointing, you walked away. But where was the last place you remember where you were the strongest? Where was the last place you remember that you were walking in what God called you to do? Where was the last place you remember that you were doing what God said and you were right in the middle of using the anointing? Because that anointing has not gone anywhere. It is still at the last place you saw it. It's not lost to you. It's not away from you. The ability to do this work is still there. But you're going to have to go with the presence of God. Back to the last place. Where you knew you were effective. Oh my goodness. And you can read on. Elisha takes a stick. Throws a stick into the water. And the ability. The anointing begins to rise to the surface all because the man knew where he lost it that x-head was too heavy to float down the water it was right where he lifted you have not lost your anointing It is still in that same place. And doing the things that Pastor Ted was talking about today keeps us moving back there. And when we get back to that place, then that anointing that even is borrowed from God Himself, it's not our anointing, it's His anointing, it will begin to float right back up where you can continue with... God's not looking... hey, Hey, Stanley, He's not wanting you to start over. Listen to me, man. He's not looking for you to start over. He just said, go back to the last place you saw it and pick it up and start doing the work again and start moving again and start operating again and start doing what God has called you to do again. It's not lost to you. Just go to the place where you dropped it Mm. and it will come right back to the surface. And you will pick up this anointing and you will begin to walk in what God has called you to walk in. But what did he do? He cried out for the presence of God. Oh my Lord, it's borrowed. It's not even my ability to do this work. He said, well show me where you dropped it. And I'm telling you today with exactly what he was teaching You're just moving right back over there and that's what holy spirit is saying to you right now go to the last place the last thing you were doing because your anointing your ability to do this work is still there and when you go back to that place with holy spirit with the presence of god (laughs) he went back to that place with the presence of god in his life with the prophet that ability to do work that axe head what seemed impossible that axe had begun to float on top of the water and he reached down and took it and was able then to start doing the work he was called to do again your anointing is not lost to you go back to the last place that you felt you were using it father we thank you for tonight we thank you for your word your power and your glory We thank you for what you have shown us. And Father, we thank you that we continue to walk in it. We continue to rise in it. And Father, we thank you that the anointing is in us. The ability to do the work is in us. And Holy Spirit, we just say to you, come with us. Don't let us go into any venture that we're not aware of your presence. Don't let us go into any situation that we're not completely surrounded by your presence. And we know that your presence is there. And I thank you, Father, that we live a life in the anointing. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Have a great week.